Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone, and welcome along to the show. I'm glad you could join me as we're going to be speaking with Tamara Smith today, all about her love of music. Now, this is quite a long episode as she plays us some music as well. So we're just going to get straight into it. But if you do enjoy this, then check out some of the earlier interviews as well, because there's more than 150 in the back catalog. And there's lots of content at theseeds.nz. So it's a pleasure to welcome Tamara Smith to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, I love your um, sign-off in your email because you've got uh, musician, composer, dancer, flautist, and facilitator. So there's yeah. going to be a lot to cover. <laughs> <laughs> Some good sort of bullet points just to start the whole thing off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it because I haven't had a musician on for quite a while. Oh, cool. um, And I always think it's good to have creative arts and just hear about people's lives and, and what's led them to do what they do today. Sure. Um, so if we could just start with you by going right back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about your childhood. Sure. Um, so I actually grew up here in the South Island, um, in a place called Manuka Bay, which is the um, most easterly tip between Kaikoura and Banks Peninsula. Mm-hmm. And um, so I grew up in a rural area, and um, yeah, my life was very much um, kind of exploring wild places and um, sort of getting to know by heart the geography of the landscape and so yeah. it was a very outdoorsy childhood then? Very outdoorsy childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and it was also kind of, I guess, a little bit um, sort of maybe had a little, you know, pioneering feel, feel to it because um, my mum and dad built the house on this sort of old beet paddock. So the house was unfurling as I grew up hmm. and um, it was all made of um, reusable materials um, and, you know, initially we lived in Christchurch and would go up there and stay in a little caravan. And so I've still got the memories of the, it was, it had a little fire in it, just the smell of the soot, you know, from, from that. And then when I was five, we moved into that house. So it's sort of fin- it was finished or vaguely finished enough for us to be there. Yeah. And what had caused them to want to do that or like to build their own place like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think my, my 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 dad had bought it. He'd he'd done this sort of big journey overseas and had come back, and um, he he'd bought the land um, before my my mum had come over to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They'd met in Madison in um, the states. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he just wanted to create a, a beautiful place. Um, and he's an artist, so it was sort of a, a place that he could create this sort of, and along with mum, this beautiful space that people could come and visit, but it was also a, you know, a nice haven to bring your children up in. Mm. And so there were many different, um, I think he looked around a lot, and then at the time he, um, and this potter who built a house not far from him, found that piece of land, and it's, it's um, yeah, really wild um, you can see nappy nappy cliffs, which are the white cliffs of um, nappy nappy, and the you know on a wild storm on the west coast, you can see the Hurunui 
mouth, um, you know, the water's all brown or it changes the colours of, of the ocean. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, so it, all that landscapes inspired his art, you know, it's mm. um, very much, yeah. And does he still live up there? He still lives there, right. my mum, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess, my spiritual home, really. I if I feel, always feel like I go up there and brushes all the cobwebs away. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a, yeah, a really special thing. And not, not everyone has, you know, a place that they can just um, go back to and feel like they, they're just, yeah, it's got a very special um, mana around it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so that it was, sounds like um, already I'm sort of hearing that creativity was quite a big part of your childhood. If it, if your father was painting or you yes. know doing arts and different things like that, is that is that true? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, it was an it was an open planned house. So um, yeah, I mean you'd have um, mum and dad's records blasting yeah <laughs> throughout the house, and as kids, my brother and I would just go to sleep listening to all the different music. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I mean, initially my dad would be working, um, sort of in the bedroom, so painting in there, and you know, you could just hear all the household sounds. It's like being in one sort of one big tent, I suppose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and um, yeah, my brother was, um, and I would just play and. We get we both went to um, Cheviot area school, so um, I think the sort of foray into music happened by chance, really. Um, and this is where you know teachers can be such a such an important role to play in how they feed feed stuff. As um, I had a teacher who started teaching recorder at mm-hmm. school, and um, so what age would you have been? Quite young. Yeah, I guess I might have been like. Six or seven, maybe. It's the classic instrument to start the children on, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's actually gone out of fashion, which is yeah. such a shame in some ways because it's quite cool for the breath, you know. Right. And that sort of. Um, we yeah. we have one at home, but we have to be careful about it because our four year old gets yeah. it, yeah. and he maybe isn't quite as talented yet as he could be, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So there's a lot of shrill, oh, yeah. piercing. Oh, yes sounds so um but i hear you i I remember being a child as well um i've got an accent but i grew up here and you know probably being seven or something and yeah you know like you know where do the fingers go and that type of thing so so it was similar to that the teacher was introducing you introducing me and um yeah and that sparked it i guess i just really enjoyed playing it and um and then i think this teacher saw that i was really interested and maybe a couple of other people were interested so on a lunchtime would you know, feed that and fuel that. Right. And um, so, what was that teacher's name? Was that a Mr. War? Actually, I just I bumped into him um, not long ago on the um, um, west coast oh. as we were both doing a, a trek out there. Yeah, it was really oh. cool. <laughs> Had you seen him in a long time? Or? Uh not for a very long, very long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I had seen him at a, I'd done a tour uh-huh. in the Hokitika, and he'd turned up to um, what was a movie theater at the time and was a venue so that was really mm. awesome but yeah it's um it's something i i've got, got a few people a few a few teachers that i keep meaning to kind of actually just go hey you know it's taken me 20 years click but thank you very much for yeah. what you you know you gave me yeah. i think that's actually a really beautiful thing because i was a high school teacher and i know that it can be such a um 
hard thing to do and you know it's just nice when you do get thank yous well we were talking before we started recording about the name of the podcast and seeds and yeah. the fact that you throw the seeds out which is why i called it that I, I love and you it. don't know where they're gonna which ones are gonna grow to start with and that's right what they're gonna flourish into and so for that for him you know mr wa like yeah that as a six-year-old or whatever you know to now see what you're doing today that would be super encouraging yeah I imagine. exactly <laughs> yeah totally no and that's um yeah it's it was really nice. I, I did a concert um, to help fundraise for them to buy a little community hall in, in Jevia, and it was actually a really beautiful thing for me because I went back mm. and I played a whole lot of tunes on, on my flute, but sort of also did it in a way to pay homage to um, the different musical t- um, inspirations that had been within the, in the community. And um, Yeah, that's so yeah, cool. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love those sort of ways of, of being able to... Um, you know, give back and say, you know, have a sort of ritual to yeah. say thank you for That's things. That's great. Yeah. Well, as we talk through um, through your life, let's mm. make sure we mention these people. Give yeah. us a chance to say thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, so you're six years old or so, and you're learning to play, play at that time. Play and, and did you like? It's early on, but yeah. did you did you know right away? Wow, this is this is really something I enjoy. Or yeah, I um, I I really. Um, there was this book which I had a cassette tape and I'd play along with the, the cassette tape mm-hmm. and that was, I guess, a great way of practising at home. And, I mean, I'm out in the, the country, there's nothing there's nothing else in the way and I just really loved mm-hmm. playing my recorder and I got to a point where I played this little song and, um, I, I, you know, I can play it to you. And I just remember saying to my mum, who really loved the song? Oh, you know, one day, Mum, I'll play it to you on the flute. Hmm. But I actually don't know why I wanted to play the flute or where I got that from. So right. there must be some subconscious something, you know. Yeah, I'll have to do some sort of um, hypnosis therapy yeah, to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I love uh, I love one thing you just said as well because some of the next generation are going to listen to this in the, in in years to come. You know, yeah. like you said you played along to a cassette. Exactly. You know, isn't that fascinating? I know. Like, that that for our kids and them, they'll be like, what was she talking about? What was a cassette? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And that's something that was just such an iconic thing that I grew up with. Yeah. And um, Yeah, doing mixtapes and... Oh, like, yeah. You know, recording, waiting for the radio to play the top ten or whatever, and then... Oh, Quit. Totally, yeah. I mean, that's the summary, basically the summary right there, eh? Everything yeah. had to be in real time. Yeah. So your energy had to be invested into those things. You know, when you got a um, yeah. compilation tape from a friend, you know, knew your friend had spent several hours, you know, yeah. cutting and chopping and putting it put all together. It was yeah. like, wow, this is a real awesome gift. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember doing those. That they were, yeah, they were fun. Yeah. So... Um, just talk us through then getting yeah. a little bit older. Did you just, you continue to play and, and when did the flute come into it? So I think um, my mum saw how interested I was in, in recorder and, you know, I was sort of taking off with it and there was this fantastic mm. extrovert um, teacher um, who went around all the area schools around North Canterbury called mm-hmm. Mr Judge mm. And he was just, and you know, one of those wonderful, enthusiastic people that um, I, I'm not even sure if he was. I don't know if he really played music 
a particular instrument himself in any major way, but he just had this, you know, wonderful enthusiasm. And um, my mum asked him if I could start a little bit earlier on the flute. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I just remember um, coming back with a Bundy flute and my brother just running excitedly down the shingle road to tell mum that, Mum, you know, Tom's got a flute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was sort of how it all kicked off, really. And um, my brother then started learning guitar. And so, um, and mm. he, he is also a professional musician and we play together mm-hmm. to this day. So something happened. We just um, both, yeah, fell for music. Mm. So t- talk to me about that. Like, what is it, what does falling in love with music mean? I guess it's, it, it's funny. I mean, I guess when you grow up with it, um, I did, it wasn't like I really when I would like to learn. I, I mean, it's different as a kid. It's sort of one of those things where we just accept stuff, don't we? And it's mm. um, it's hard to sort of think back on it. But it was just one of those things that I just I loved dancing and I loved. Um, yeah, playing music and and um, it just felt so so good and especially um, yeah, just sort of after after a wee while of playing the flute, I um, you know would start trying to write my own little tunes. He had an old p- piano that um, I'd just start fiddling around and and my first major composition was called Moonlight on Rock Pools. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. How old were you when you did uh, that? Do you, do you I, remember? Um, I guess I might have been like nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, yeah. It was, you know, from then, I remember, you know, I ran to Mr. Judge and said, you know, here, listen to this composition. And he, he really liked it, but he, he did give me a few ideas mm-hmm. about how I could improve it, which, of course, I was like, no, 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 that's exactly how it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, I guess, where it all started. And then, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, we'd get Tyson and I would, you know, play at different people's parties and jam nights. And mm-hmm. um, we had like this, you know, it's got the I- iconic 1970s type kind of pit so that, the dining room floor was the stage okay so you'd have friends coming up and yeah you know we were always on the stage putting on performances and yeah so like little steps down into the living room you mean yeah so they were the audience in the pit Uh and then we'd come out you know um, right gotcha yeah yeah Yeah. and Tice I mean Tice I think I lived in a house just like that did you yeah yeah in the 1970s so (laughs) I know exactly what you mean it was kind of a step it must have been a trend for a couple years huh? yeah the pits yeah Yeah. you go walking down I there's photos of um, me as like a six-year-old you know some sort of a Christmas thing and I must have been you know an angel or a Joseph or whatever and clearly we were performing there (laughs) so I understand they're quite good though for that sort of natural sort of amphitheater it's true yeah 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 I think our rug was like this greeny 1970s (laughs) vibe you know (laughs) yeah oh Uh, that's cool so so the two of you um yeah so that that relationship is not just brother and sister it's been with music as well it sounds like yeah and to- um our entire lives it's um mm-hmm. i mean he Tice, i think yeah just kind of like with me in the flute he wanted to play guitar and i remember he used to have a 
you know, cut cut himself out a polystyrene guitar and mm-hmm. wave it around on the on the um, dining room stage. And um, yeah, so gradually as he started to um, play things like blues and all this other stuff, I was going through grades on the flute. And um, also with that, my mum was taking me down to Christchurch every two weeks. I can't really remember what age, I suppose. We started Mm. off maybe about 10 or 11 or Mm. something like that, Um, just to be able to get some, you know, some new lessons with other people mm-hmm. so every two weeks would go down to Christchurch and I'd be the, in the CSM orchestra mm. and get a lesson and and um, my brother would get a lesson maybe we're a bit older even I'm terrible at remember what age we were but mm. um, yeah so he started learning blues and you know a bit of Django Reinhardt and all this stuff mm-hmm. meanwhile the classical flute repertoire is just you read it you play it and I think, yeah, that, that was probably quite influential for me was just because I love to improvise and create stuff that gradually over time, yeah, that's sort of where my path led me. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I finished high school, I was wanting to go to jazz school rather than study classical flute. Right, more. yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And did you do your high school there as well in Sheffield, or? Um, up till I was about sixteen, but yeah. you know, it was um, correspondence music, so it was just kind of lonely and isolating in the mm. sense that, um, and you know, my my brother and I, you know, different different years, different classes, and in area school, you're travelling up with the same class for. 11 12 13 years you know um and so yeah I just you, you get a designated little room and you sit in the room and push this cassette tape and right there'd be these little activities but it was all sort of just sitting in a room by myself mm. and yeah it just got quite <laughs> lonely and sort of didn't really necessarily make sense and some I mean you had some cool little tasks to do these days I think probably with the way technology has and I think even a few years later, my brother had a music teacher that had a few more, te- you know, interesting things he could use to create stuff. So mm-hmm. that helped. But um, yeah, so when I went um, for my last two years of high school, I went down to Burnside High School mm-hmm. and boarded with a family there, and then um, that was pretty, pretty amazing. Just to yeah, go from a small town and and then to be able to just be in this huge orchestra or do drama and all these things that right. I naturally loved but just really didn't. opened your eyes yeah, to the possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah. And were you playing other instruments at the same time? Like to compose? Did you were you learning piano or Yeah, I was learning piano. Um and I used piano as my composition tool. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. And I and yeah, that's a, a teacher that I um, paid homage to was Leith Sloss, and she was this beautiful, um, uh, you know, a farmer's wife, this lovely lady that would come in and, and teach the, ki- the kids piano. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think I sort of frustrated her too because she'd give me all these pieces to, to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just would always come back with something different that I made up and I don't know, <laughs> and that I wasn't very good at reading because I just, yeah. But... I still to this day write a lot of my music on piano. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
and I love it. And I keep thinking, Tom, sit down and actually just do some work on it to, you know, should be very proud of me. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> work on my sight reading and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great tool for composition because flute is so singular right. that um, you don't really, you can't have access to chords and harmony like you could right. on the guitar or anything. So, so it was nice having those, those two instruments. Yeah. And the amazing thing about music, just generally music, is just how it can communicate across cultures and language and ages. And like, we've all got two ears, you know, to listen. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking back, like, even when I was a kid, we, we lived in Chile for a little bit. Oh, and, awesome. And took some piano classes from the local piano teacher yeah. who spoke Spanish. And at that time, I wasn't, I didn't really speak Spanish, but, yeah. but the, you know, like, he was teaching us piano. And that was sort of universal, you know, yes, like there's notes yes. on the page and whether you speak the same language or not, you could give the piece of music to somebody else from a completely different background, culture, totally. time, whatever, and they could reproduce the same sounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's pretty, pretty awesome being able to just, uh, yeah, crack a smile and be able to kind of, you know, play music together in that way. Yeah. So it's one thing to play music for yourself and your own enjoyment and things, but it's another to get up on stage and play it. Um, was that something that always appealed to you, like the performing side of things? or? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, uh, definitely I've noticed that I've... Um, I mean, I think probably growing up in a rural area where, where um, you know, we did some really cool things, at school, which is a shame that they don't do that anymore. Stage challenge mm-hmm. um, was a great thing that happened a few times, so I really enjoyed that with the drama and stuff. And um, but also, I think probably there was I was quite shy in some ways, um, just because I was did feel like I was standing out within. You know, I was only one of the only musicians in the school when I was in a rural community and mm-hmm. so you know it's, it's interesting that that feeling of um just sort of yeah trying to come into my own maybe even now just beginning to realize yeah yeah no holding back no trying to sort of make yourself sm- smaller or not be seen or mm-hmm. heard and it's a quite I mean it's very liberating to um yeah, take stock of that sometimes as a performer and realise how far you've come. Um, mm. And I've always loved performing, and I think the classical stuff, you know, I remember doing house concerts at Burnside and doing performances with different ensembles and all those things. You know, there is an art to it, and I remember doing reading about sort of the psycholo- psychology of behind it because it's very much like a... Um, um, sport in a lot of ways you Mm. have to kind of be in the right space you can't just sort of expect you're going to stand on a stage and perform you Mm. have to actually have a way of and a process and um Mm -hmm. and yeah there's a few there was a few good books which I can't remember any of the names right now but um Mm. yeah things like just how to how to put all that hard work all that practice and actually make it you know as you stand on stage um, put it out there, mm. and um, 
Because it's, it's be, it becomes an experience for the audience as well as the performer, doesn't it? It's right. And, and the best experiences, you're somehow the performer involves the audience so that they feel part of what's going on. That's and right. And that it's not sort of a removed, like, you know, because it's not the same as watching a DVD as someone on the TV screen. You're actually there and the person is actually breathing right in front of you. That's right. And, and there's often energy that you can't, you can't obviously feel it to the same extent within, you know, mm. on a digital platform. I mean, just being in a room and, yeah. Um, yeah. I think maybe that's why, in a lot of ways, um, I think I love, I love classical music and I, you know, I think it really formed a huge amount of um, the inspiration for compositions. But I do love what you're just saying, which is connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just felt maybe disconnected um potentially reading music sheet music or always having to play a part exactly as it was you know you could um which i don't think in the history of classical music has been always like that but it's Mm. had it's become that there's sort of some um yeah some different ways that we perceive it um so yeah so things like improvisation and just finding my way with how how do I want to, um, depending on the day and the people and mm-hmm. who's in the room, how do you express yourself? And yeah. that was sort of the great um, beginning for me of um, playing and writing music. And, and um, yeah, I do, I mean, I remember many nights, you know, lying in my bed, tuned into um, Concert FM with my little Walkman, mm-hmm. which people wouldn't young listeners might not know, which is your cassette tape with your little earphones on. Mm-hmm. Big skyscape out there and just um, dif- different music flowing through, which without words, which I sometimes find is just uh, mm. gets the imagination going. There's nothing, mm. it's all ethereal. There's nothing kind of binding you to being human necessarily. It's um, So uh, probably all of those things, those experiences, um Played a, played a big role in kind of the music I write yeah. these days. Yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to someone named Matthew Goldsworthy, yeah. um, who I interviewed because he's a musician as well, and he plays the piano. But he started something called Youth Arts New Zealand. Oh. So we talk a lot about that and trying to encourage young people yeah. to, to perform and get out there. And we talked about the energy that he feels when he's on stage that he gets from the audience, mm, you know, that, totally. that he then kind of, it, it's a two-way thing. It's not it just, I'm yes. walking out here. And um, I'm thinking as as well as Ruben Bale, I talked with him as well. He, yeah. he plays piano and he talked as well about that dynamic of sort of it's the whole room on a, you're, you're connected somehow with invisible ties to yes, the people. That's um, so true. Yeah. 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 Actually that's, yeah, totally. And I'm, it's it's actually I find it really tiring um, when especially with a lot of the music I play is mm-hmm. um, these days you know dancing and it's kind of a lot of it is just you know you need people there just going giving it, giving it their all yeah um, and sometimes you know if there's a big space which Kiwi audiences are renowned for it takes you know until the last song before they get up and then they want more and you're like well we've been playing for three hours yeah come on (laughs) yeah um but 
Yes, um, it's quite hard to, um, I don't know, it's quite tiring because you're trying to give it, give, 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 but yeah. you're not getting anything in return. And so, like, yeah, those fellow musicians have said it, um, it's, it's, you know, exhilarating when all the energy's right and you're just being fed and yeah. you're giving and, and everything's just, we're all, yeah, in this together. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I guess then it's just how do you create that atmosphere as quickly as possible to connect with the audience That's right. Um, as you get up. I always think um, this is unrelated, but mm. kind of related. Sometimes I could see people get up on stage in front of, um, to speak to a number of people, like, mm. you know, 30 or 40 people or whatever. Yeah. And you just look at their body language and I'm, I'm crossing my arms right now, you know, like their yeah. arms are crossed yes. and they're not really looking at the crowd and you just think, just relax into it, you know, open your posture yes. and put your hands out with open palms as a gesture that, you know, you're here to, be you know, to, to talk with them. Yes. And it's just kind of basic things, but people just seem to, I guess it may be, you know, they're nervous or whatever, but they kind of close in. It goes back and, to sort of almost, um, yeah, unconscious ticks almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if you can be aware of it and then for you as a musician, you're like, okay, how are we going to engage with this audience as quickly as possible yes. to, to get the energy from them so that our performance is better? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And um, I mean, I think I'm getting better at it these days is just instantly get on stage and surround yourself with musicians that you just love hanging out with and you're all going to have a good time anyway. Yeah. And as long as you're doing all that, um, there's also sometimes some good good faith because sometimes festivals or whatever they're just there will naturally be a bit of a gap in front of the stage but people you can sometimes never know if the audience you know you can never quite tell sometimes with audiences yeah um how how they are experiencing the music and you can't assume and i've i've fallen into that trap before where i've done gigs i remember i did one and it was we did a um tour and we did one in Wanaka and yeah. um it was in a little movie theater and they were giving it all and everything and everyone was just sitting there um and I sort of looking at their faces and it just it looked like oh this is just not going down good at all mm. you know and I was just oh man um and then at the end of the concert I sort of turned away to pack my flute up and every single one of those people went and bought a CD huh <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes it's you like can't predict it all you the can't time. predict it all the time. That, yeah. um, people experience music and things differently, and you just have to ride the wave of going. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're just they're not we're here doing... dancing in front of me, but they're buying the CD. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, something maybe, went right. Something went right, <laughs> and yeah, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Being authentic and just giving it your best shot, mm. and um, and putting it out there like like you said, like seeds, and just letting it. Um, catch people's ears and and hopefully that you know has touched them in some way yeah well I did something recently and I'll link to it as well it was about creativity and vulnerability Mm. and the reality is when you're up on stage or doing anything like that you are opening yourself up because people might not like it you know like there is a vulnerable aspect to that but that I think in that it kind of gives the platform for the creativity to to be there as well because mm. it's like this i'm showing you what i've got you know and and what do you think and yeah and so there has to be that 
tension between the creativity and the vulnerability and just letting people see. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's totally it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I definitely feel as, as, as you know, as the years um, unfurl and I have had different experiences and I think that gets sort of easier in a way to be able to just be like, this is this is who I am and this is mm. what I have to give and, you know, yeah. I mean, I've gone through a many crises, I suppose, within um, myself of how how much, um, especially because I've, you know, I'm an avid environmentalist and um, love nature so much that um, I'm a very sensitive soul. So I've found sometimes sort of paralysed by mm. things around me. And I guess sometimes I'd really question, did I, do I have potency as a musician to change mm. or you know make make a mark for the, for the better in, in this world mm-hmm. and um, you know I even thought maybe I needed to go and do something sciencey which probably will make my science teacher laugh uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just those you know um, I guess along along my way I've always found my t- found times where I've had deep philosophical questions with myself about how mm. does is this Right, and I'm sure mm. so many artists and people in general do. It's mm-hmm. just um, the soft doubt that creeps in, right, and the questioning. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. And if just, it helps, I think all of us have that. I think I'm sure they. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think everybody does, even me. So I work as a lawyer. Like, yeah, is that really the best use of my time? Am I yes. doing? I've concluded that yes, it is because yes. I'm doing the right type of law, the right type of things. Right, but yeah. it, it could have been. No, it's not the right thing, you know. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. partly the questioning that gets you to the answer that yes, it is worth doing or pivoting a little bit. And that's right. Doing something different. I think that's a really, um, really important part of society is actually questioning yourself and just sort of keeping check of to help to st- to steer yourself. And I, mm-hmm. I still um, kind of feel like we're maybe we've become a little bit lost with having mentors or. Um, not even spiritual guides, but just, you know, sometimes in our points in our life, we mm. have times where I definitely know, um, especially with my music and things, there's not really anyone that I know necessarily doing exactly the same path mm. and can be kind of a lonely road sometimes. And, it, you know, I just think, oh, wouldn't it be amazing just to have maybe back, mean, uh, you know, back in the day where you had someone that you just knew that they were going to be there and you could just go and have a wee chat about philosophical things mm-hmm. and questions and just talk about those things. And um, that's one thing that I feel maybe lacks a little bit is just that sense of um, potentially ritual and um, and helping people through what are not negative things. Often great change happens when people are questioning themselves and going through mm-hmm. all these interesting emotions that will become further growth. And cre- I mean, I've often found that those times can be hard, but then they lead to great creativity and mm-hmm. new expression of ideas. Yeah. But I've found it hard to find the right people to mm. To go with it. you on the journey and to to sound be a sounding board and yeah. to be the community that helps yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, and that's, maybe that's I don't know. It's, I'm still experiment, experimenting with you know how can we maybe as a society find better ways of uh, sort of 
you know, guiding people and acknowledging rituals and different times of people's ages as well where yeah. we can allow them to, to feel that this is a integral part of us, you know, growing mm-hmm. as humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it was... No, I hear you. I I love that's why I do the podcast because I love the little rabbit holes that we go down, and I think the listeners do too. It's like, what are they going to talk about? But yeah, I'm just thinking um, in my own life. You know, when I was 20, I moved to Japan, and um, it was like at that time I didn't speak Japanese. It was different culture, food, place Mm. I was living, all this stuff, and that was my time to have the self doubt and the what do I believe in, you know, Mm. like where do I just do what my parents have done Yes. or do I believe what my parents believe? Well, maybe I don't, maybe I do, you know, like, and it was that it was very formative for me to not to actually part of it was not having someone there telling me, you know, this is, this is the way you do things. I had to read stuff for myself and think about it myself. And in a different, completely different culture. In a different culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do agree with you that the, that doubt and the questioning often leads to building the foundation for what gets comes after, what yes. gets built after. Yeah, that's and right. And that it's okay to have those those doubts and questions because that's sort of the door that then opens to the next, um, yeah, the next part of life, I guess. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I think so many great writers and artists and all of, and you know, people in general have have had those. I just um, somehow, yeah, maybe we don't acknowledge that so much these days. Potentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, our culture is a culture of bravado and image. Yeah. And it's about the success and look at how many likes I got and everything. And it's a temptation for me with the podcast to fall into that and to think about like you know how many people liked that latest post or whatever. Yes. Um, but actually. It's more about the seeds that are being planted that you won't see for five or ten mm. years. And yeah. then the, the flip side of what we're talking about, of course, is that think of the teachers who influenced you. Yes. Right. You've already mentioned yep. three different names, at least. Yes. And then what's your role for, you know, where I'm going yeah. <laughs> for the 10 year olds who wants to learn to play the flute, you know, yeah, exactly. and has no role model except, oh, I saw this person perform. Yes. What's your connection with that? little girl in the audience yes, you know that's and right we have no effect you know we have no idea of all the different ripples that yeah play out over the over yeah a lifetime and, and further on yeah yeah exactly so could i ask you a question yeah. about composing music yeah how does that work for you do you like do you um, wake up in the morning and you feel like today's a day i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna write something or is it you're walking along and you're just sort of humming and it's like oh that's that's nice. Or mm. what's the process for you? Oh, is there a process, good. or does it happen different um, every time? Maybe that's the question. <laughs> uh, I guess when I pre-children, I had, you know, I would come up often with little ideas on the piano or um, on my flute mm. and um, write them down. And sometimes things would kind of build from that quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Other times it was um, sort of. I guess almost like, um, you know, uh, chiseling a, a piece of stone. You're sort of just trying to wait for the shape to kind of take form. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, these days, I mean, I teach an African dance class on a Wednesday, which always has five or six live drummers. And so, I mean, I 
and I'm full time looking after my wee um, youngest son. So mm-hmm. the time to have daydreaming and just letting things <laughs> happen. So I'll, you know, I, I made up a song called the Tunnel Song, which is me driving through the tunnel from Littleton, and um, and mm-hmm. the rhythms came to, came to me. And so I taught the drummers and then created a dance from it. So often I'm doing things on the on the fly, so to speak, mm-hmm. and right then and there, which is in a way improvisation. And, and I think probably I, 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 you know, I really love, um, yeah, I really love that. Like just, hey, you know, here's, here's this rhythm, let's do it, and I'll create a, a dance for it. Or, right. So um, get the groove going and then yeah, see where it goes. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and actually that's how... Um, um, in the in the latest album, which is a lot more electric than my um, previous albums, mm-hmm. um, there's a song called Hurunui, which is um, the river where I grew up, mm-hmm. and um, that composition started with me having creating the the, the drum groove um, with using African drums, dum dums, and um, djembes, and then I um, later on was actually just um, at my brother's flat in Wellington and um, just the melody of the voice came into my head. So sometimes mm. things have take their time before the, they meld into the, the mm-hmm. final thing. But, yeah, I definitely um, especially love beginning with the, the grooves on the drums. Mm-hmm. That's a quite a neat way of starting. It's interesting as well, though, that you talked about the dance, you know, like the, that you would create a dance for the song as well. Like, yeah. It sounds like that's an organic part of the creative process for you because I think for some musicians it would just be like well there's I wrote the notes on the page Mm. but what I guess what I'm hearing is that it's more than that it's about the the movement associated with it as well yeah I mean I I, and it's funny how um I think when I you know I think my mum took me to a ballet class when I was two and you just run around and interpret music Mm -hmm. and I've always loved while well, mum mum was cooking dinner in our open plan house and there's records going on I'd just be dancing around now that I, I realised just interpreting the music mm-hmm. it, it had such a strong potent feeling that you just I couldn't help but find movement as a way of you know and the different sounds would um, create images of far off distant countries that I've never been to or um, it's magic you just you can live in a complete world of imagination through music mm-hmm. and um, yeah and so movement for a while there didn't didn't play a role in, in music but I've definitely found my way back through it that I just love dancing and I love how um, dancing and drumming are so intertwined mm-hmm. um, and and the power of live drums in a dance class is, you know, it's incredibly healing. And I've been so um, amazed to watch um, people grow in their confidence of themselves mm. as they start to just find there's no right. There's just themselves and the, and the music. And mm. sure, I show them moves, but um, everyone's got their own beautiful touch to it. And then sort of watching people as they, yeah, but, um transform it's very transformative and that's been a really amazing thing so yeah it's um 
it's a cool journey. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, it sounds very organic. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. it. Yeah, That's really good. So what sort of um, music are you involved in now? Tell us a little bit about the band and, and different initiatives that you're part of. Well, um, so the main thing that I guess is, is the project that I sort of direct is called Mundi, mm-hmm. and that's just, um, it's, it's changed and evolved. It, it started out that I um, went went off uh, travelling to live in France with a backpack and, um, yeah, I started composing tunes over there and, and playing in jazz groups in Paris and ready, ready, rah. And um, when I came back, um, I got asked to be part of this group, which sort of was coined Mundi, but um, it was all just sort of covers of, you know, mm-hmm. music. And so um, we got this wonderful um, opportunity to go to Sri Lanka because the drummer was Sri Lankan and um, to work with um, some traditional drummers in Sri Lanka and part of that was composing music that would um, integrate some of the stylistic um, features of Sri Lankan music, traditional Sri Lankan music mm-hmm. with with our you know Western instruments, guitar, flute, um, bass and drums. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so our first album, Serendipity, was recorded in Colombo in Sri Lanka. Hmm. And that was um, quite sort of, well, p- part of it was, it was quite ECM, I'd say, um, um, you know, acoustic guitar, long, mm-hmm. yeah, organic sort of solos. And, and go over here. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, where, where was I going with this? Oh, the, just the, the, the different projects. And so... So there's Monday that's changed over time. So mm-hmm. the next album was Marimba and was a bit more, um, yeah. I mean, that's, I think I have like five, five year gaps as I travel and do. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time to make an album, actually, I must say. But um, yeah, yeah. yes, so, so I, ha- I haven't had many albums, but this is my third. And this is um, Electric, it features um, uh-huh. the drummer from Shapeshifter and um, uh-huh. Johnny Lawrence on bass, who. I used to do a radio show with when we were at jazz school together and right. my brother Tyson on guitar, uh-huh. my partner Chris on saxophone uh-huh. and um, a percussionist called um, Doug Brush who lives in Port Levy here in the um, Banks Peninsula. So that's sort of been the fodder for some of my compositions but I can't necessarily define it. And then, um, yeah, I mean more recently I was asked just the other day um, to be part of... Um, Waiata Kitiwai, which was um, Songs for Water, mm. and that was playing one of my compositions, Varanasi, um, on the banks of the river Avon. With Yo-Yo Ma, right? With Yo-Yo yeah. Ma. Wow, yeah. you can't turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that must have been pretty cool. <laughs> it was really awesome, yeah. yeah. The logistics wow. felt hard, but I was like, yeah, come on, Tom, you can you can do this, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that was just what you were saying about sort of, um, I think, one of the things that f- felt really re- great about that is that often, especially in the South Island of New Zealand, mm-hmm. a lot of things don't come here on tour, and um, it's you know it's been a lot of um, there's been earthquakes and there's been I think lots of things that I've done to try feed in the music scene, which can be quite tiring at times, mm-hmm. and um, can like I said, there's you know the, there's the loneliness and trying to c- kind of create something that you don't see much of around you 
and so been asked to do something like that which was uh, Yo-Yo Ma's Bark project and that was to bring together um, a whole group of different people um, and, and one of his cultural product, pro- projects was really special because mm-hmm. it sort of was like actually you just keep doing what you got to do and sometimes these beautiful things, gifts, land, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, when you need it um, at a time, yeah. And so that was really inspiring for me to have that. Um, and he's a really inspiring and wonderful guy and um, I think that's has done great things for like I went and watched his concert in the Christchurch Town Hall, which was completely packed. But what I loved was um, there's no stuffiness around the classical music. He's playing Bach. He does it for two and a half hours. But when he stops, he gets you up to stretch and he laughs and he has such joy. And I think that is such um, such a wonderfully profound thing that he can offer and that we could all offer you know, with a wide range of music is just um, having joy with what we are doing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, I've, you know, I've been to classical concerts before where it's, it's been so, I felt like I can't enjoy the music, I'm so s- stiff, you know, like this feels, there's so, um, and I, yeah. It's very one of the formal. Things, very formal. Mm. And that's one of the things I, I've found it really hard because it's, sort of hard to sometimes engage but he let us all be able to breathe and and mm. um yeah and to hear him play he's he's got stamina like I've never seen you know it was pretty incredible seeing someone with two and a half hour stamina playing Bach who I knew a lot of the pieces because I mm. bought one of those books books in Paris and used it as a chance for me to for my flute warm-ups and things so mm. yeah it was pretty incredible to watch him and he's so relaxed when he plays mm. um very but, natural right yeah, yeah very very natural performer and he's obviously spent his whole life as a prodigy um playing music so it's just amazing to see yeah that this sort of flowing from him in a way that um was beyond yeah they had become so, so, so many of those pieces have become part of him mm-hmm. become part of him that he didn't have to you know, try to remember the word notes anymore. They were part of them that they just floated out and filled the, the town hall. So yeah, and the and the beauty of it as well is when you think about the history of the music, like it was mm. written how many, uh, you know, a long time totally. ago, and then he's playing it here in Christchurch, New Zealand, and it's yeah. resonating and touching the audience. It's, yeah, well, that's that's right. It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that these notes on a page can light up and and fill ears ears five hundred years later. Mm. Is, yeah, incredible. And it's also interesting too, you know, just um, historically where, because part of the um, Bark project was um, playing with traditional, uh, a lovely lady played on my composition um, called Ruby and, and she played traditional Māori instruments. Right. So just the interesting um, historic sense of while, you know, the Bark cello sonatas and are being created mm. here on South Island, or you know, New Zealand, Aotearoa, there was completely different musical landscape of um, bone and mm. and wood, you know, emulating native birds and mm-hmm. all. Yeah, fascinating. But then those two things melded together the other day and by the river, and um, and that felt right too. To when you're talking about sort of 
a sense of meaning in terms of how do we help um, from a positive way, you know, with mm. nature. I think giving people a chance to um, to experience nature and music mm-hmm. um, in different spaces um, and different cultures intertwining to um, appreciate that space and that beautiful um, place. I think that's actually really, really powerful. It seems quite simple, but actually it's incredibly powerful. Mm. Um, well, I love the title of it as well, you know, just that, that water itself mm. is musical. You know, yes. when you think about it, yes. <laughs> the the sound of a stream or, you know, it's it's an amazing thing to just lie there and just listen to the, the water on rocks. You know, it's, a, it's right. nature's music, right? And that was one of the things that was really fascinating. Um, there's a, a man called Phil Dadson who um, played Stones. Okay. So he gathers up and he had such a wonderful way of describing it. Just these stones that um, are on their way to the ocean to become sand but here they are you pick them up and they're a million years old you know from mm. the last you know great ice age mm. and you hold them in your hands and as all children do we tap and just hear these the sound of these stones so he was playing on the banks of the river these stones he wets them and then he taps them together mm. and oh it just wasn't stunning like a heron came out of the water and the seagulls were sort of interacting with it and it just became this yeah beautiful musical piece of art you know mm. um and yeah very special very special moments so those were so those are some of the projects that take place just um and just the other day went and played at the little river um drum festival and put together a band and people are dancing and out and out and um banks peninsula under the the trees and yeah, yeah I like the cool. diversity. It's really cool. It sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what we'll do is put some links in the show notes, yeah, and then sure. people can click through and find out. And you've very generously brought a couple CDs, so I maybe have. we'll we'll do some little giveaways or something, that and people great. can um, interact a little bit with this episode. <laughs> um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit of music yeah, if that's okay. Sure. So what we're going to do is just pause here and then um, ask you to just play something. Yeah, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Do you do you know what you're going to play or? Well, um, why don't we start with um, my bansuri, my Indian flute that I got when I went and visited Varanasi. Okay. Um, and this is how I started the other day at the um, at the river. The only thing is I've just got my fingers always stretched because it's I've got yeah. tiny hands and these are huge. Um, wow, they, yeah, that's amazing. So it's uh, made of bamboo. <laughs>
Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love it because normally this is just an audio podcast with yeah. people talking. Yeah, yeah. So that's wonderful to have some, um, <laughs> you know, an instrument being played like that. That's great. So where do you gotten that, that particular instrument? So this is, this is from um, Varanasi in mm-hmm. India. Um, I went and uh, spent a, maybe three weeks. I was living um, in Varanasi, learning off a, a man to mm. teach me Bansuri. So I've got a wide range of different sizes. Mm. Um, for the listener, I guess this is just shy of a meter, maybe? Yeah, yeah. just a bit shorter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's all sorts of different sizes. There's a really big, be- I mean, I love deep sounds. Um, actually, I have an alto flute here, which mm-hmm. I could play next. But um, yeah, unfortunately, my fingers are long enough and I can't quite get the big one. I just have to, yeah, <laughs> spend some time stretching them. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's, um, yeah, it was, Varanasi was a really inspiring place. It's full of, it's, it's crazy. Have you been to Varanasi? No, I haven't, no, no. It's just, There's many places I haven't been yet. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so many places in the world, yeah. But it was, it was just, you know, such an interesting um, mix of, animals and people and sounds and smells and mm-hmm. um still felt very ancient um a lot of india has become quite modern mm-hmm. in a lot of ways but varanasi it's got the holy river the ganges and um just the way that's why this particular piece was chosen for the way just because mm-hmm. the way humans have interacted with this river for you know millennia and the way we interact with nature and you know how much it impacts us and mm. um yeah i sort of grew up because my dad had traveled to india and i grew up with a lot of slideshows of india right so i think varanasi for me was still this place that was quite untouched it still was mm-hmm. the india of my imagination in a lot of ways yeah and um yeah yeah i just i just yeah really got a kick out of just seeing you know going there and learning directly from the people yeah yeah yeah. and just just, yeah just and you know and animals as well i think that's the thing what you often um can forget about all the other animals that are interacting with nature or in in cities but Mm -hmm. you know there's monkeys and cows and goats and and people were all sort of like all into you know intertwined and so Mm. that was yeah made me laugh sometimes just seeing the the funny interactions yeah, yeah. that's cool so you brought another instrument I've, I've is that right? a few flutes here. Um, this one <clears throat> i'm sort of a i really love the deep sounds of a flute and unfortunately i guess in a lot of classical music you never get to experience it so much because within an orchestral concept um context sorry um it had to kind of cut across the orchestra, so it would always be in the high register. Right. But because I get to generally um, use a microphone, I can, um, you know, um, explore the deep range of a flute, and I really love it. Yeah. Um, so. So while you assemble that, yeah. Who in um, in flute uh, mythology, mm, mm. <laughs> who would be like the superstars? of the flute not just living now but you know in the past like is there someone that you would go wow that person Mm, was was a really inspiring um the michael jordan of flute playing you know (laughs) that's really interesting well i've it's kind of interesting i mean there was um 
um, I'm just trying to think of it. His, um, Roland Kirk, for example, mm-hmm. was a blind musician and he played a multi-instrumentalist, um, American guy. He played um, a bit of flute and I just loved the spunk, you know, and he, I think he went on to inspire Ian Anderson um, with the whole singing down your flute in Jethro Tull, for example. Okay. Um, but if you go and connect even further, um, like the Malinke um, flutes from the Malinke Empire of West Africa, you, they will do those kind of techniques as well, which is singing into the flute. Okay. Um, I do ha- I do have a Malinke. I didn't bring it along with me. but um, So when I say singing into the flute... And it gives this mm-hmm. really gritty, yeah, you know, the extra level there. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, this is uh, alto flute. It's um, got a little curved head joint uh-huh. um, to make it easier to hold. You don't have to have one, but it just helps, and it's. Um, That's great. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah, really beautiful tone, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's not as high, high pitched, or or I'll get the words wrong, but you know, it's it's a very rich sound. Uh, yeah, rich and yeah. deep. Yeah. So yeah, this I do really love this, and um, yeah, I had composed a piece which is on the second album, mm-hmm. um, called Prana, um, which I just played a tiny bit then and. Before that, just a little bit of a sort of a, you know. Well, well do you want to play? Do you want to play a little bit of it, or a a, a longer yeah, bit than what yeah. you just did? Yeah, if, if I can, um, see if I can remember that. You can to... improvise it though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we can, we can, we can improvise. And could, could make up something called Rata, which is the uh, the name of this the, room. The, the, the yeah. right... <laughs> Why don't we do that? Let's just make something up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, that sounds good. Um. Beautiful. <laughs> so that didn't exist. That didn't exist before until 
a minute and a half ago. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. A Seeds podcast original. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's cool. So what, what, what are you thinking of as you're, as you're playing like that and sort of composing and where it's going, just mm. riffing off the idea of Rata? And like this yeah. picture here has got, um, you know, the flowers and the, the leaves and things. And Yeah, I guess... Um, so imagery comes in my mind. So I sort of felt like, um, yeah, wind and, and flowers Kind of telling the story of the tree. Yeah. 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 I think that's sort of often been the way I approach um, how, yeah, how to compose or improvise is how to, how to uh, give a story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah, just... There's so many stories that unfold even on a daily basis and it's beautiful to watch, for example, a child, mm-hmm. you know, just walking through down a street and all these stories are there, but we just as adults have forgotten to look for them. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I agree with you completely. Actually, um, do you want to play one other thing, yeah, uh, sure, other instrument? Um, while you get that ready, I'm just going to tell this. My yeah. little story yeah, is um, I was walking last week. So this is kind of funny. I was walking along and I'll show you afterwards, actually, around the corner. Yeah. Basically, there's just some shoes. Somebody, their <laughs> old shoes yeah. left in the corner of the street. <laughs> and I saw these shoes a week ago and I was just thinking, you know, what's... What's that shoe? Why are those shoes there, just sitting there? And yeah. so last night, I just I was feeling in a creative mindset, I guess, and I got home, and so I wrote a limerick for the shoes. Um, I can read it to yeah, you, actually. Yeah, do it, do it. Um, but it's just, you know, those shoes have a story. Like, what led them to be left here? They've been there for a week. Yeah. I don't know if they'll be, you know, picked up or taken <laughs> by someone. Um, Maybe they'll listen to your podcast and be like, Oh, my shoes. My shoes, yeah. they're outside on Rimu Street. Yeah, so this was just a funny little limerick. So I put this, I, I'll show you the photo. So that's the shoes. Oh, classic. And, and then I've put they a little... quite good uh, neck too. They are, yeah. You could, they could be yours. <laughs> um, I put this little sign next to them. So it just says this. In happier days, I was filled with two feet. Now I'm abandoned, alone on this street. If you take me home and make me your own then my life might once more be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. So it's just a little story, you know, like yes, of yeah, those shoes on it. the on the road. <laughs> that's cool. A little a little kernel of some a little kernel, isn't it? Yeah. It just can, it can... Well, everywhere you look, right? There's yeah. stories and how do we tell them? And yeah, certainly for me the podcast is a way to tell the stories of the people I'm interviewing. You know, it's yeah, kind of obvious, but no, you know, it's, it's um... a it's a platform to tell stories, so yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. People yeah. can access it in time. Yeah, this, the, everyone's got such amazing stories, isn't that? It's sort of fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the oh, thing yeah. that fascinates me as well mm. while you're getting the next one out mm. is just, you know, you play the flute, but these are like all different ranges and yeah. tones and sounds. So that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I love i've got to i want to um write some more stuff for my alto flute it is in a different key so mm-hmm. um which means that um i have to sort of write well i just can't in- initially straight away read pieces straight away but i have to um transpose them um right but uh yeah just yeah i really want to write some more stuff with it and and this is the one I'm, i've got now is your standard stock standard flute okay um 
And and tell me about this food. Like, is it something I don't know anything? So, <laughs> is yes. there a certain brand of flute that would be oh. like this is the high quality flute? Well, or? I mean, this is a yeah silver plated mm-hmm. flute, or mm-hmm. a, is it, well, it's even probably it's silk on material or this thing. I don't know silver mm-hmm. flute. Um, um, it's I mean the flute. I think instruments are fascinating, actually. I was thinking about that when mm. Yo-Yo was playing his cello. It's like they get created and then they become, a, they get to a point where they are perfection. There is nothing else we can do to improve mm. them. Mm. And um, so I think in the was it maybe late 19th century, potentially, or mid-19th century, there was a man um, called Boehm, and he created the system. So up, up until then, you would have had similar to my my um, mm. my uh, bamboo, bamboo flute, yeah. is that you would have had a lot of holes or a few small kind of like little connect, connection devices. Mm-hmm. A lot, um, much like what um, you see a lot of Irish f- flute players play these days. They mm-hmm. play a kind of an older flute. Mm-hmm. Um, but he created the system which meant that you could um, press a certain key and then it sends it down the rod. And um, mm. it was fantastic and that became what was used for like the clarinet and the saxophone and all other all of the other woodwind instruments okay and has obviously not been really changed anymore in the last mm. you know 150 years hmm. um but um yeah so this is kind of the first um flute that i after the after the recorder not this isn't the the, the actual one i had a bundy which mm-hmm. probably it's kind of a bit of a cheaper brand, but um, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But it's an interesting point that you're making because you know the Stradivarius, like the violin, mm, mm. like they're they're really old, right? Yeah. But they're amazing. They're incredible. And yeah. when you think of like, and they're worth a lot of money too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but oh, when yeah. you think about that, um, sometimes we get so caught up in our current like. It's just been made. It's brand new. Yes. It's the best thing. Yes. But actually, like for a violin, you actually want the old, the yeah. the masters who made it. Then, that's uh, right. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, the, that 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 um, things that have been made for longevity, mm. haven't they? And they often, with time and age, can take in, take on even more interesting hues, mm. much like ourselves. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so, oh, what am I? What am I going to play on this one? Um, oh, actually, you know, I've just talked about Roland Kirk, and I don't know the name of this blues, but I, um, I just remember hearing it. And so, um, mm. here's an ode to to Roland Kirk. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. And I love the different tones that we've gotten today. You know, mm, the, all three of them sound yeah. so different. Yeah, they do. And um, they've got their own voices. Their own voices, exactly. Yeah, that's really awesome. Well, I love the passion that you bring to the playing of it too. Like that's a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, you, you have to pour yourself into the into the playing. I mean, yes, yeah. yes, and um, yeah, that's taken time just to not be self conscious. I think is is um, just you know feel at one, and and I, I think the more and more I, I play music, I um, I find myself I just get lost. Mm-hmm. And I lose where I am, and um, and that's uh, yeah. It's been very freeing to to lose the sense of I don't know, you know, the angst of of teen- <laughs> teenage years, and just being really sort of you know of self aware, I guess sometimes, and just to be able yeah. to feel like this is. Yeah. Well, it's an echo of what you said before, you mm-hmm. know that um, that as as we age and as we grow older, mm-hmm. that that there's new subtleties, there's new depths that comes yeah, through, yes. and so. The performer you are today, you know, ten years from now, yeah. twenty years from now, might be quite different. That's but, right, but in a good way. <laughs> that that's you, right. You've deepened. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um yeah. So I mean, you can you know play the same same tune that you may play twenty years ago, but the way you've approached it mm. is um a nice measurement of time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, that isn't just applicable to playing an instrument. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's where I like to go with yeah. this because the listeners yeah. maybe don't play the flute no, or course. an instrument. No, but that's, yeah. for each of us, you know, we each have things in our lives that um, that we're deepening into and we're growing and unfolding. Mm, and Yeah. Yeah, so that's and pretty that's cool. That's what's so fascinating about your podcast, actually, is just the diversity of, you know, getting into the, the minds of other people that, yeah, yeah, different backgrounds, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's I mean, led them to where they are today? <laughs> <laughs> what comes naturally to, to, to one person is so different to another. But mm. you know how we how we all tick is just fascinating. Yeah, mm. definitely. But there are definite echoes across all the podcast episodes oh, I in terms of creativity yeah. and the the person may have specialized like you have in sort of music and this is what you do. But I'll talk to other people. And they bring the same passion to what they do. You know what I yes, mean? And yes. so there's a common humanity yes. and a common creativity. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Could I play just one more tune? Yeah, of course. Case, That'd be great. <laughs> just in case I, <laughs> I decide that I don't like the Roland Kirk one. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go for it. Uh, what, what, what kind of vibe do you want? I'm just thinking of a. Um, oh, wow. Well, I, oh. I like that one. It was fine. Yeah. yeah it was a jazzy sort of. But, what about but, um, boom, 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 boom. um? I'll just see if I hang on. <laughs> That was fast. 
That was wasn't fast. it? So yes. when your fingers are moving that mm. quick, because I'm here with mm. you and I'm seeing mm. the fingers move, like, are you thinking, or is it just it's so you've you've practiced it so much, or you've thought about it so much that it's just it's just happening? It's be- it becomes muscle, yeah, muscle memory. Muscle so memory. it becomes yeah. sort of like you you know, it's kind of, I guess it's like um, you know, uh, you know the the streets and the and the roads you need to drive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my fingers sort of... They just, it just happens. It happens. I haven't played that song for a very, very long time. I was just like, oh, what did I just decide to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it kind of, it was, it was, yeah, it was there in my muscle memory. It and, came um, out, yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, yeah, Eastern European one in 11. So that's, when we say in 11, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I, yeah, I just love... Um, so much, so many of the different styles of music that it's hard to kind of summarize. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just chuck in another Let's one. Try here. a different just- <laughs> one, yeah. No, that's good. Well, what I might do, um, we'll have the really long podcast episode, I think. And then what we'll do maybe is put in like a shorter bit just of the instruments. Oh, yeah, cool. Because I think cool. that would be quite interesting yeah, for people. Yeah. And then if they want to, they can listen to that bit or they can listen to the, awesome. to the whole awesome. thing. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Great to have you here and just to hear about your life and, you know, right back from the beginning and sort of the creative days of childhood. And I love the the shout outs to your teachers who helped you (laughs) on the way, you know, like I think that's important. Um, But clearly it's something that you've enjoyed right from early childhood. Yes. Yes. It's great to hear. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're all so full of full of um, devices and things these days, but actually, a lot of that probably was having the space, wasn't it, to mm. to to um, just find something and and persevere at it. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so just I guess um, for people who who are unsure, like just keep going and and um, and just find the joy. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's a you know it's simple or whatever in whatever area, but just finding the joy and and just enjoying it in this moment is just so like a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great message. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for coming on the yeah, show, and we'll we'll put some links in, and if people are interested, they can find out more. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Great. <laughs>